Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you think it might be possible to turn that music down so maybe a couple of the boys could talk? That music is for everyone, Mr. McMurphy. Yeah, I know, but you think we might ease it down a little bit so maybe the boys didn't have to shout, huh? What you probably don't realize is that we have a lot of old men on this ward who couldn't hear the music if we turned it lower. That music is all they had. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the secure unit at the Achtung Millwall Sanatorium. Yes listeners, it's time for your medication. Now I don't want to alarm any of you boys and girls out there, but we meet on an empty weekend for the Lions. Courtesy, of course, of that unfortunate, very unfortunate, 4-0 loss up at Bradford last week. A game that's proven to be a bit of a turning point in Mill's season. As the players leaving the den start to mount up, the club edges ever closer to relegation, and the squad gives every indication of total mental collapse. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, despite there being no game to mull over, which does at least mean that we have an unbeaten Saturday, incidentally, we do have a packed show for you today, featuring our regular co-host, Stuza, in part one, discussing this week's Mill News, plus the House of Fun website's favourite pantomime villain, Derek Hannibal King, in part two, mulling over the Holloway question, with yours truly, 
Nick Hart. Ladies and gentlemen, he's too modest to ask for this himself, so I would instead. Stuza is running the London Marathon this year, and he's doing it in support of the fantastic Willow Foundation, set up in the memory of the daughter of the former Arsenal goalkeeper, Bob Wilson. Now this is the only national charity that provides psychological and emotional support for seriously ill 16 to 40 year olds. And they do this by providing um, special day experiences. Now I think this is a fantastic cause, well done to Stuza uh, for, for taking on the marathon. So I want you all to visit www.justgiving.com forward slash capital S, capital H, capital L, capital M 2015. So that's www.justgiving.com forward slash SHLM 2015 and get the full details on how to get behind Stuza. Thank you for support. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to take your medication. Big welcome to Akdong, our regular co-host, Stuza. Welcome to the show, Stuza. Hello, Nick. How are you doing, mate? Oh, it's a long Saturday afternoon, mate, isn't it? Hey, I've just been to Tesco's. I've been badgered to go and do stuff in the garden. It's horrible without Millwall. It just makes you realise what you'd miss if we didn't exist. It's even longer now. I've just seen uh, Bradford have got a third goal against Chelsea. Well, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, as we're recording this, it's Saturday afternoon and uh, Philippe Murray has been scoring goals and Bradford 3-2 up at Stamford Bridge. Um, yeah, but incredible. Who, who, needs, who needs the glory of the cup? We're concentrating on the league, Stu's. Yeah, yeah, concentrating on our great escape downwards. Yeah, the month of the long knives. This is the uh, the first on our, our list of agenda to talk about. The month of the long knives continues. Um, a, a high profile goodbye this week to Scott McDonald. What did you make of, of of Scott's departure? It came as a bit of a surprise for me, if I'm honest. Yeah, I must admit I was surprised that he was one of the names on the list to go. Uh, not surprised in terms of the way he's played over the time he's been here and... I don't think we've really seen the best of him, but uh, yeah, at this stage, it seemed like a, a strange decision because uh, well, it wasn't necessarily in the team the last two seasons, and then this season he's been a bit of an ever-present, so yeah, not a strange time for it to happen to me. I mean, a skillful player for me. I mean, his, his touch and control always set him apart. Um, so, I mean, the decision clearly is more to it than, than meets our eyes as fans looking on. I, I can only imagine that... There's a, there's a balance being struck between the wage that he reputedly earns, which I think is one of the higher uh, end wage earners in the squad. Yeah. And possibly, I, I don't know what dis, kind of disruptive element he might be. I, I don't know, really don't know the guy at all. Um, so you know, you can only imagine there's there's more to it than you know um, the, the kind of football side of it. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, I think I I don't know. It's never seemed like he would be the prime candidate for being a disruptive influence. No. So I guess we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. He's, he's a bit of an older head, really, isn't he? So you would have thought he'd be one of the the more calming influences. And there's obviously, obviously it's a termination of contract, so mutual agreement, which, yeah. which seems uh, like there could be more to it. Maybe he's got an offer elsewhere or... But I, I just think it is the wages. If he is on as much as we were led to believe, then 
uh, we probably need those wages for some of the other people we're looking at. I think you're right. I mean, clearly we're we're having a, a purge of of of, um, of the squad. I mean, you know, it's actually getting difficult to keep track of who's leaving the club at the moment. I know that um, was it this week the Bywater went. There's um, Briggs has gone out on on uh, on loan and, and doesn't the way news at Den's talking here. We're not likely to see Matthew Briggs back again. Um, which again, I, I you know he is a Holloway signing. I know that McDonald wasn't, but Briggs was one of Holloway's picks. And I, again, I, I I felt I know he's not played um, particularly brilliantly, but I felt he had something about him. I thought he had potential. Yeah, well, I think he come with uh, well Holloway made a bit of fanfare about him when he came. Yeah, um, not seen enough of him again. I, we have a tendency to uh, slag players off as soon as they have a bad game for us, and I just don't think we've seen enough of Briggs. I, I think I saw more of him. Uh, kind of pre-season than I did in, in yeah of games, but it's only made. A, I mean, he's made a few appearances, and I suppose the the criticism of him is that he's um he's kind of Scott Malone without the uh, without the, the the skill factor, a defensive skill factor. Anyway, um, he, he looked like weight as a as a left sided defender. Um, but then you know that clearly he's got potential. He's come from Fulham. I think he played for one of the England under under eighteens or nineteen sides. So. He's clearly got something about him, but um, and again a Holloway choice, and yet shipped out quite quickly into the into his tenure. Yeah, I, I just think they've they've got a plan now. It's a case of they committed to making the clear out, and and they've got to go for it. So uh, whatever decisions need to be made for whatever reasons, uh, again, not knowing what's going on behind the scenes, I guess they're just uh, committing to it, which I suppose is. All we can ask, really, being on a bit more positive about the whole thing, is that uh, we ask for the a bit of change, and they're definitely getting it. And I am going to be more positive this week. Than well, I that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. They, you, wanted to, they wanted to hang themselves. You were uh, depressing me, Stoos, if I'm honest. You, and that's saying something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I tried to pull myself out of it, actually. Scrub that. Bradford had just gone 4-2 up. 4-2. So, oh, uh, fucking hell. again. <laughs> Oh dear, it's. Um, I mean, certainly, it's it's been a desperate month so far. Um, without wishing to lower the, the 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 mood in any way, and desperation is driving these, these these deals now. This clearly is the end of season plan. That the, the the axing of these you know various names that we're seeing leaving the club, and all we're hoping is that the new names that are coming in are going to give us the pep to try and, and, and turn things around. I mean, we haven't seen really enough of any of the new signings yet to make any, any judgment. Um, I'm interested to see Paris Cowan Hall when he finally starts, see what kind of winger or whatever role he plays. I don't know. Um, to see what he can bring to the, to the party. Yeah, I think um, Cowan Hall and Fabrini as well. We spoke about Fabrini last Fabrini, time. Fabrini, yeah. He, he looks um, quality. He's definitely a player and, yeah. A good sign. I was actually just kind of looking on Twitter about what had been said about us over the last few weeks and stuff like that before recording this. And um, I, I wasn't quite aware how some of the Watford fans were surprised that Fabrini would come on loan to us. They seemed to uh, want to keep hold of him. So, again, says something about him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's um, been a behind-closed-doors friendly this week. Um, I don't know how many of the new players featured in, in that. Um, it was a 4-3 loss played at Loftus Road. Kind of gave, gave, gave me a little bit of cause for, for hope and optimism if we can get three goals against a, a failing Premier League team, but nevertheless, you know, one that um, should be able to keep us at bay. Um, it, it, it implies to me that there's, there's, there's room for, you know, some optimism going into the, into the cru- crucial six weeks ahead of us. Yeah, um, and it was quite a strong team that 
uh, QPR had yeah. it. Yeah, Crenshaw I saw playing from. Yeah, but yeah, Ferdinand, Zarati, I, I know they were all playing. So um, we're trying to be upbeat. We're trying to, we're trying to be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, the new signings have apparently, according to Ian Holloway, lifted the atmosphere at the Den. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing that he means within the squad. I'm, I'm also going to guess that some of the, the departures are also lifting the atmosphere. If these people have been, you know, sour faces, where you want um, happy, smiley. Um, individuals pulling together so possibly that's also helping the atmosphere around the squad yeah I think you could almost sense it during the Ipswich game actually I think the fact he did clear out the team he gave other people a chance and uh, I was just desperate for the the fans not to completely get on uh, their backs on that day because it it would have ruined some of the people who were new to the team so yeah um, we've got to give them a chance and I think uh, if Holloway's seeing signs that it's making a difference then that's all we can ask for yeah, I mean, I think the sight of the youngsters, Jack Powell and Sid Nelson, clearly are, you know, um, seen as jewels in the crown of, of, of the youth development side. Um, and to see them making starts and to see Sid Nelson being given the captain's armband in itself was, um, was quite astounding, I suppose, in some respects. And I think that around the around the ground, there was a real sense that this is not a, a group of players that have put us in the shit. They're actually going to try and do their best to begin the long process of, of, of digging our way out of the hole that we're in. So... I think people do recognise that there's, you know, that this is this is not the um, this is not the group to to have a pop at if if things don't work out. Um, and I think Sid Nelson was another one I saw on Twitter earlier. His response to being made captain, people were a bit worried about it, um, but his response to being made captain, his, his uh, tweets were very positive as well, saying it was a pleasure, obviously being a Millwall fan. Yeah, um, he looked forward to uh, the chance again. He was gutted about the results. So quite mature in terms of uh, the fact that there was a lot of pressure heaped on him. So I mean, I uh, think I'm, I'm still hopeful of the playoffs now, Nick. I reckon we're going <laughs> to we're going to go on a run. You've been drinking. <laughs> I'm just forcing it now. Forcing the optimism. Is that that faking an orgasm or something? (laughs) How do you force the optimism? I'm starting to wonder if I've taken acid. uh, Bradford beating Chelsea. John Marquis has scored twice. uh... Well, John Marquis has scored. Philippe Marais has been scoring for Chelsea. Um, And you do wonder what's going on in the world. I wonder whether we're cursed. It's almost as they enter the uh, cross the threshold of Zampa Road, they turn themselves into utter crap as a consequence. Maybe it's a gypsy curse or something on the ground i don't know do you ever remember that article in the sun where uh, they said there was a curse on the ground because it was between the two railway lines and the two <laughs> railway lines as they go past look like a snake's tongue uh, and the, like people were convinced there was a curse on our ground well i say people the sun it's not really the uh it's, it's the uh yeah <laughs> to uh, take note of is it but especially now they've uh dropped page three either. No, they dropped it and brought it back, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they? They were saying there was a gypsy curse or some sort of ancient curse on the ground. So. Maybe we should stop off at that gypsy encampment down by South Bermondsey on the, on the way to the game next and see if we can have a word, see if they can get that curse lifted because it's certainly causing a lot of misery at the moment. I hadn't I heard know. of the, the lie of the railway lines, I suppose they're like ley lines or something, are they like focus of energy or... I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't know <laughs> railway lines were like mythical curse-inducing <laughs> things, but uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, I suppose they're south so they're cursed in. Jimmy Abdu is a shining light amongst the gloom, says Ian Holloway. Um, and I, I think you know pro- that's probably purely on effort base uh, effort basis, really. I mean, Jimmy will always give you one hundred percent. It's interesting that he's been the one person from the old guard, shall we say, that's been named 
by Holloway um, in recent weeks as a as a kind of um, like I said, the shining light that's illuminating the darkness all around at the moment. I know it's a bit um, probably going a bit extreme to say that, but um, I can't think of anything else to say about Jimmy Abdu. I haven't said before. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll say Jimmy Abdu and get on a roll about him there's dudes <laughs> and then something will occur to me as I'm talking and I can't think of anything more to say that we haven't said a hundred times about Jimmy Abdu this uh, is the other problem with having no game isn't it you, no uh, fucking game to talk about listeners you don't know what you, you don't know what you put us through this is painful <laughs> yeah well it's probably more painful for them Nick they're probably like, <laughs> oh, we'll, uh, we'll give you your money back we'll, ref- we'll make a full refund for whatever you pay to listen to this podcast <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give it back to you um, Irons are in the fire still We've got um, apparently we're chasing a bloke called O'Keefe, Stuart O'Keefe. I, I don't know him. Do you know the Do you know the player at all, Crystal Palace? I don't know. Again, I uh, looked him up earlier, but uh, the internet only tells you so much about some of these fringe players, doesn't it? So no, never heard of him before. He's combative, according to Alex. He's combative, so that probably means he's, he's, it might mean he's a lunatic and will get sent off. And we've got quite a few of those around the squad at the moment, anyway. So, um, but apparently he's a combative midfielder, played with Holloway previously, and the rumour is that we are interested in him. I'm not sure what I what I can make any out of that. I don't know him, but um at the moment it's starting to feel like anyone that's um available is it it's been seen as good news purely because they're not the old guard that have that have put us in the in in the situation that we're in. Yeah well combative combative you have been drinking. Combative yeah whatever that word is. Uh, uh, somebody <laughs> who likes combat um <laughs> not a bad thing at this stage because uh, the other thing we've been missing is a player to get stuck in and uh, we've said many times, like, rile up the crowd, just get the crowd behind them. We love that at Millwall, don't we? We do. Um, when the atmosphere is lacking a bit, if somebody puts in a nice, stiff challenge, then uh, it can actually get the crowd behind the team. So it might not be a bad move. I mean, if he can play the ball on having having done the, the kind of combative stuff, I mean, I think just, just going back to Abdu for a moment, I mean, that Jimmy doesn't want for... Um... Persistence. I'm not quite sure if it's combativeness, but um, combativeness. <laughs> well, where do we get this word from? Well, <laughs> you made up. Um, he certainly doesn't want for uh, persistence in midfield, but it's, it's the kind of end product, and hopefully this is what this O'Keefe guy can produce. I mean, if Holloway knows him already, then um, one would hope that that's going to be you know, an aspect to his game that, uh, that he'll bring with him. We're also after a guy called Joss... Hubivelt, well, again, I don't know Southampton centre back, so that in itself gives him a bit of a you know a seal of approval coming from Southampton. Oh yeah, and he's on loan at Norwich at the moment as well, I believe, isn't he? And uh, he's on loan to Norwich. That, yeah, he's the one that people seem to be talking about a bit more. Um, he's also a former Dutch youth international, um, which again, you know, these are all the right ingredients, aren't they? Um, Dutch playing at Southampton, um, you know, already. Mm-hmm. At, Already, I'm casting, I'm casting him as the kind of savior of our club, almost just based on that, um, on on that one uh, recommendation. Yeah, he's uh, he's also got a few goals when you look him up on the internet. So uh, maybe a bit of a goal scoring threat from set pieces and stuff. Um, but yeah, people seem to know a bit more about him and, and seem to be saying he'd be a good signing. Uh, you can only go on what... What's that you're doing? You've got, you got a Dutch hooter of some sort going on? What, what is... Oh, like, uh, my phone's telling me I've got a message. <laughs> Hold on, give me two seconds. That's, that's, this is an insight listeners into the world of Stuza and, and, his, and his ringtones. Yeah, I'm just a very popular man. Nick. Clearly, clearly, clearly. Talk sport or something. Come in, <laughs> Based mm-hmm. at... 
fuck is that? <laughs> Do you know what it is? I think it's Skype. You don't. You might not get this yourself, but I get tons of uh, like spam on Skype. As soon as I log into it, I get loads of um. You get like, you foreign get, prostitute. Type. Yeah, you, well, you, I, I presume to be foreign prostitutes. I mean, clearly, I, I wouldn't um, engage in those kinds of um, contacts. But um, you seem to get a lot more contacts like that than than I do, Stu's. Well, yeah, that's because I send them my bank account. <laughs> Rumours that Mark Beavers is going to be going to Rotherham United. I mean, I, I don't think he'll be much missed. Um, I, I would quite miss Beavers. I've always quite liked him. Um, have you? In terms of the uh, middling to average defenders we generally had at the club, I think he's, he's not not the worst. Um, and side as well, I think it works better for him. But I, And I just don't think, uh, again, we shouldn't be in a position of giving our players to teams like Rotherham, who we're essentially batting, battling against relegation with. So... Uh, it seems like a strange one to me, that, but... Rumours, I mean, you know, the, these are internet rumours. I mean, I, I think um, anyone can make them up and uh, they acquire false just by retweeting and, and repeating, don't they? So who knows the truth of that one? But um, I'm, I'm just guessing that if um, if Huivelt is, is indeed a target and, and Beavers is rumoured to be, um, you know, he, he's kind of dropped at um, every opportunity by um, Holloway in his, in his madhouse world. So you just wonder whether he will be moving back up north. He's a, he's a northern lad, isn't he? I don't know if he's a professional northerner, as the, uh, the saying. <laughs> Go to the popular <laughs> online fan, professional northerner. So I called that irons in the fire section that little bit, and now we've got another section that I called the news of Fred. The, I, I don't know what's going on between Fred on your dimmer and Alex Aldrich, but his parts of his website are devoted to the doings of Fred on your dimmer at Wickham. And in all fairness, the boy's on fire there; he's scoring goals left, right, and centre. Yeah, and that's a real positive of this season, I think. Um, and it brings it into sharper focus when there isn't a game to watch to. Uh, ruin your positivity is that a lot of the kids have come on and you can imagine in if we are down in league one next year that uh if players like fred jack powell yeah Nelson, gregory um maybe even marcus somebody said today marcus and gregory could maybe make a good strike partnership in league one maybe uh marcus has found his level so this is not um, cheering us up any stew is the idea that uh, marcus is going to be leading our line in, in league one <laughs> Well, you know, you need to take some of what I have. That's what I <laughs> it's brilliant, potent stuff. We've been hit with a misconduct charge for the brawling that goes that went on at Bradford. Um, Football Association has charged both clubs for failing to control their players. Um, what passes for a football brawl these days isn't really all that much, in my opinion. I mean, when you see the old school pictures, Stu's, and I know that you're no stranger to a, a, the ring and, and, and that kind of thing, but... It's more pushing and shoving and, and, and putting faces at each other than actual fisticuffs, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm sit- currently sitting here with two black eyes because uh, oh, yeah. training for a grading at the end of February. So, yeah, um, been sparring a lot and got two black eyes this week, which was nice to go into work with. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. A little bit of handbags, but I, I actually watched the Bradford one. I'd not seen it until this morning, but because right. we were going to talk about it, I had a look. And I must admit, the uh, the challenge done put in on the guy to put him over the hauldings was pretty pretty vicious, and I quite appreciated it, really. But. Well, we're Millwall at the end of the day, aren't we? And, and also the fact that uh, Ford went flying in there, I think, also as backup is. Um, I mean, Ford, if he's coming in on your side in a in a, in a mass brawl, I always think that's a, that's a good ally to have in that kind of situation. He seems I to think be Ford was coming out for a cross that had uh, been put in a couple of minutes earlier, actually. And just... <laughs> 
flaps at it and got the player instead. But he seems to teeter on the edge of madness, David Ford, didn't he? I mean, he always looks like he's barely restrained from um, from losing losing his temper. It's all the whiskey, isn't it, Nick? That's the whiskey, the it... Irish, is the Irish whiskey. Yeah. There we are. Now, Valentine's Day, Stu's Valentine's Day is looming. You'll know about this because although you're a fighter, you're also a bit of a lover too, aren't you? Uh, a chance would be a fine thing at the moment, Nick, to be honest. But uh, I'm actually away um, snowboarding with two Millwall lads uh, over Valentine's weekend. You're missing a massive opportunity here, mate, because there's a Valentine's Day stadium tour. Um, now, what better way to charm the lady in your life than a tour around the den? Um, Two-for-one deal as well, so it doesn't have to break the break the bank. Um, I think you're missing out on this, on this deal, but... Um, <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of taking the your, for, for Valentine's Day, taking the love of your life around the den, <laughs> on, a, on a two for one deal. <laughs> the love of your life. Oh, imagine the first date that'd be even better, wouldn't it? Like, Our knowledgeable and passionate, knowledgeable and passionate tour guide will take great pride in showing you around the den, including the exclusive areas such as the home dressing room. The dugouts and um, oh, help make your experience a unique and memorable one for the day. Uh, I, I kind of applaud the marketing um, pizzazz of it. It's, it's got quite a humour to it. I, I think that's quite um, it's quite it's quite an interesting angle to take a Valentine's Day tour of the den. I'm not sh- I'm not sure it would help. You know, as, as you say, on a first date, it's not going to charm a lady into your bed later that night, is it? On purely on the strength of that tour. It, d- it depends how rough she is, really, <laughs> isn't it? and uh, what, what what you're hoping to get from it, like. Uh, maybe not long-term partner material, but uh, a wham yeah. bam. Thank you, <laughs> thank yeah, you, yeah. man. <laughs> good night of fun or something. But uh, yeah, it could work. Maybe that's where I'm missing out. Maybe I don't really tend to look for prospective partners at the den. But maybe that's what I should. Maybe do. that's where we've gone wrong, mate. Maybe that's where we've gone wrong. A new banner has been erected on the side. They're talking about erected and, and matters of, uh, of, uh, of a sexual nature. Two new banners have been erected on the side of the stadium, on the, on the railway side. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed constantly that this doesn't seem to be a more of a, an interesting advertising opportunity for companies. We've uh, One of our um, fans' companies has just made a plain um, badged Millwall banner and they've gone up on the side of... Of the stadium, but I'm just, it, it never ceases to amaze me that companies don't want to advertise in that particular location. There's thousands of trains that go past that spot every day, and we just can't seem to attract anyone to put their banner on it. Maybe it's the reputation of the club, I don't know. Yeah, I think that was one of the criticisms when this story was uh, put up that uh, somebody actually said, Why don't we just give it to a company for free? And they might realise it's a bit of a money maker, and other companies would see it and think it's a good idea. So um, but as somebody said, I'm wondering if we've paid to have our own name up there, which does seem a bit pointless. I don't know if the company you supplied it supplied it for free, but I would hope for um, free. I mean, if we if we put our own name up there, then I don't know. Don't, maybe there's an advertising in that. I don't know, but I'd hope that we haven't paid for it, and I'm hoping that this is a Millwall fan company who've done it for nothing just to get their name attached to it, and you know, every everyone knows them for doing it. To be honest, I think everyone knows. Uh, the I was chatting to somebody from work in the week. He's got no affinity, like doesn't really like football at all. Yeah. Um, but he he said he always kind of looked up Mill just because it was the ground he went past on his way into work. So he like knew it because he saw it every day of his life. So I think people know who it is. It's uh, if anything, for those people who don't know who it is, just by going past it, putting Millwall on the side is probably going to put them off more than the tractum. So. Yeah, possible, possible. 
Oh, the other thing is we don't have a great track record with banners on the side of the stadium. I don't know if you've seen the one that hangs down on the on the front of um, above the club shop. It once was a a montage of Millwall heroes, you know, going back to the seventies and 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 sixties. Uh, and now it looks like an old vest that's been hanging on the washing line <laughs> in, in an abandoned house. It's been there for about three years, and it's just got like it's just kind of ragged and hanging down, and no one seems to know how to get it off. And our track record with kind of disposable banners doesn't seem to be very strong. We don't know how to handle it. Do we? <laughs> what with that and uh, Kez, the uh, plastic kestrel, <laughs> and that plastic blue plastic lion that we used to have that, that was apparently bad bad um, mojo or whatever it is, and had to be removed and, and then form went even you know even further down the pan than it was before. We've got a, a scoreboard that <laughs> this looks like a you know I keep comparing it to a gallows. It's just basically a bunch of scaffold and ropes and and, and hooks hanging down. We just don't. About it. It's just it's a bit like a pikey site, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> we don't do the presentation very well, do we? I mean, if you watch Arsenal, not, I really don't want us to go down the um, you know the Arsenal route. But whenever they screw a goal, oh. they get these two huge, great flags that start waving. Now, if that's your thing, it's, I know it's a bit ultra and it's a little bit um, you know it's, it's not not me at all. But I don't know why we're so poor with the the presentation side of of our club. But we just don't get it right. That's for sure. Yeah, I definitely don't want to go down the uh, flag waving route or the. You know, release balloons or no, no, or the uh, West Ham of a bubble yeah. machine, don't they? Um, I've not really thought about. Uh, I don't know. I suppose is it a good thing? I, I quite like the fact that still, um, and I think Luke Shaw was the most recent player again to talk about us and say how horrible it was down here. And I suppose all that dilapidation adds a bit to it as well. So it, it, um, yeah, yeah, it does. It yeah. Nice to have a nice scoreboard and stuff. Maybe. Uh, Maybe we should break a bit more of it. I mean, Cold Blow Lane used. To, I mean, the essence of Cold Blow Lane was it was a horrible place and a horrible area, full of like decrepit scrapyards and jagged bits of glass set into the top of brick walls, and you know there was railway lines and dampness and places where the sun never shone and all that kind of thing. Uh, and Zampa Road is bit by bit. I mean, when it was first opened, I remember thinking to myself on that uh, first game Sporting Lisbon match, this was a, a small wonder, it was a marvel. You know, I, I couldn't believe that our club had built it. And then over the next, well, was it now, 20 odd years since, 20, 20 plus years now, it's rusted and there's old bits of rag hanging down from the side. The scoreboard's <laughs> falling apart and there's a fake hole. <laughs> and it, 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 bit by bit, it's it's turned into Cold Blow Lane again. Maybe that's, maybe that's that we're forever bound to Cold Blow Lane. We can't get away from it, can we? It's in our blood. Yeah, if it could become that uh, intimidating and unfriendly, then I'm all for it. Moments. There's a, a wonderful thread on, on, on House of Fun at the moment. We're going to um, finish this little bit off with uh, just a, a run through. Of, it's a favourite Millwall moments, and it, it interested me because we were talking about this before, and it's actually one of the questions that we include on our Listed Lions thing when we do those interviews every so often. Favourite Millwall moments, and it's interesting just to have a read through it and see what people pick out. It's not always the obvious ones, Stu's, is it? It's not always the, you know, the Old Trafford features uh, a lot and the Wembley visits, but other people pick some pick some quite obscure ones as well. Yeah, I think uh, one of the ones... That's that buzzing again. Um, one of the ones that people mentioned uh, a few times was uh, Geordie up at Anfield. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know it's a big goal and a big game and uh, obviously the setting and the team we're playing and stuff like that, but... Yeah, stuff like that, I guess, is uh, the ones that stand out and make you think, well, we've been in bigger games. And But that's what makes it so nice, I think. It's completely personal to the person experiencing it, isn't it? And some of the best games I've ever been to have been meaningless away games at northern towns and 
Yeah. Uh, it's context. Context at the time. A lot of people, I'm just reading through it as we're talking. Um, Bromley has gone for Walsall away, and he means the auto windscreen shield. Um, was that a draw up at Walsall? Or I can't remember if we won there or we drew, but it was a game that propelled us to Wembley in 1999. And I suppose in the context of the time, I mean, no one, I never expected to see Mill play at Wembley. Um, so, you know, at, at that moment, um, it would have been, yeah, of course it was exhilarating because it was just unbelievable. It, it, anything that stretches belief in, in that moment is, these are the landmarks, aren't they? Yeah, and I think uh, also recently people have been talking about the FA Cup and the 2 0 at Highbury come up again. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic. I, night. That's another one I wasn't at. I was probably a bit too young at, at that stage, believe it or not. But um, I remember even listening at home on the radio to that. So sitting there playing sensible soccer on my Amiga and uh, <laughs> on the radio to us beat Arsenal 2 0. And that's a, still a really vivid memory for me, uh, kind of jumping around my front room when we. Uh, when we scored both the goals and stuff like that. So, um, I, for me, the main one would be the semi-final. I, I don't think I could top that, really. Just Old Trafford, of, yeah. Yeah, Old Trafford, just in terms of what it meant and uh, like my own personal reaction to it. I will admit I had a few tears even on the long drive home after a weekend of uh, debauchery and <laughs> too much drinking and little sleep and then emotions <laughs> of the day itself. It, it, it did kind of hit home. Um, and nothing seemed to matter for a few hours that night. When you didn't no, think back it, into or anything like that. It was an unbelievable day. I, I lost my voice. I couldn't speak because I'd, I'd, I'd shouted at top volume for so long. And re, you know, you, you kind of do it when you go to football. You shout. But I think we, it, it was almost the three quarters of the game. We went a goal up quite early on, didn't we? I think it was about halfway through the first half or something like that when Cahill scored. And it, it seemed to me at the time that it required maximum personal effort from me and everyone else around me to kind of will the team through what was going to be, what, 70-odd minutes of, of what you knew was going to be sheer grind. And I actually lost my voice. I couldn't speak for two days afterwards, <laughs> other than the, yeah. in a croaky whisper. I think the, the second half was the longest second half in history, wasn't it? Uh... It was endless. It was endless. I mean, it was, it was it was a moment that will never, you know, you'll take to the end of your days because it was unbelievable. An FA Cup final... And oh, by the by, we qualified for Europe, and whoever thought we'd ever get into, um, you know, into Europe? And interesting, that's one of the other, um, for different reasons, the the, the trip to Budapest in um, two thousand and four. Some people are mentioning that. Whoever would have believed that we'd get into the UEFA Cup or a European competition? Um, I think I think the the, the semi final will be one of those landmarks for me. Um, also, being old enough to remember the the promotion to the first division back in eighty eight. Um, that was something I never thought I'd see us do. So I genuinely never thought I'd see us play in the top flight. And, you know, people have picked out the Hull away game as a, a landmark. I would actually go for a game at the Den. It was just prior to the Hull game. Um, I couldn't make that Hull match for, for various reasons. Um, and we played Stoke. I think it was one of the last games, the last game at the Den that season. We beat Stoke 2-0. Uh, and as such was the league table at that point that we we were contenders for promotion, um, but by no means certainties. And by beating Stoke, I think it was 2-0, I think Herlock scored, maybe. I, I remember Herlock and Briley at the end of the game congratulating each other. It was like suddenly this promotion was now within grasp and I just never believed that we would get promoted to the top flight. Something always snatches it from us, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I was lucky enough as well to see us towards the end of our stint in the top flight. That was kind of when I 
uh, started going regularly. So I, I was lucky enough to catch the tail end of it. But yeah, to have seen it from the other end when the, the kind of promotion to the top flight would have been incredible. And I think that's something that people still looking out for now, isn't it? They just it's, it's one of the things you just want to experience in your football supporting lifetime. Well, Ite Log, who's clearly an obscurantist of, of football, he's gone for York City away in 98. He chose um, Walsall in, in the AWS early on. He's gone for York City away in 1998. An injury time winner by Paul Shaw. One of the best games I've ever seen. I think you might be having a laugh there. Cause, I mean, these are good games, and these, these in a way, sum up the, the Mill experience. And they're going to Northern you know, Outposts and, and winning against all odds. But I'm just not sure you can quite compare it with the semi-final experience. Well, no, but like I say, that's a purely personal nature, isn't it? I always think of Middlesbrough a couple of seasons ago. For some reason, Middlesbrough away, despite it being a complete shithole. And, uh, we won 1 0, I think, Jason Punchin scored. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. And that, that always sticks in my mind as being because it was a great day out, great weekend with mates and stuff. Um, and I can't even really remember the game of football, but um, it's just weird how stuff sticks for you. I think uh, also Doncaster away. Um, the first time I started going to away games with the crowd I go with now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, just because friendships were formed and stuff like that without getting too soppy about it. Um, but, yeah, friendships were formed that day, so... And that's informed my, my future Millwall support in life. Yeah, yeah. From uh, Newcastle, so that was nice. Nice, very nice. <laughs> Henshaw's picked out Jimmy Abdu's goal at Ellen Road, which would be the one-all draw that um, I think it took us past them in the, in the. It was a playoff game, wasn't it? it took us into the um, into the playoff final. Um, that was that was also, and that, but that was an away game. I think it was on TV. I had to watch that on TV. Another memorable moment. Um, moments like that are just what you, you what you you draw from it yourself and the crowd that you're with, as you said. Yeah, and it's it's it will always be like that. There's there's always games that you wouldn't expect to stick in the mind that would. Um, even I was thinking about this even more. So, uh, Birmingham six one a couple of seasons ago, I think, and we had I think we had at least one sent off. Yeah, but players really put in a shift, and uh, the crowd appreciated it at the end. We'd been tonked six one, and uh, the players got claps off the pitch, and just little stuff like that. It's they're never going to make the greatest Millwall moments in history, but I think it says a lot about kind of the type of football fan you are when those kind of moments stick with you it is it is about moments and I mean, another game that i'd pick out and it, it was in the um the, the kind of latter part of our first season in in the top flight in division one so it'd be 1989 probably around march april time i think it was just before the hillsborough disaster actually um but we played liverpool at the den and the the crowd in the in the ground that night was immense i mean i think it was officially about twenty two thousand, but it was one of those crowds where you think jesus is this is like um it was packed so tight that um i couldn't get into the where i'd normally stand so i got into the back of the cold blow and we scored we went a goal up early on i think it was danny salmon who scored the opening goal and Genuinely, and I, I don't say this as a, any exaggeration, but I got carried forward by the surge of the crowd. So I couldn't—I actually couldn't see the guy. I couldn't tell you anything about the move. I remember we scored, and there was this pandemonium, um, no other word. And I finished up um, at the back of the cold blow, and I found myself kind of about 20 yards in front. Um, don't ask me how. I mean, my memory of it is, is such I can't tell you how it happened. But I actually finished up with a really good view of the, great, the game afterwards where I finished up. <laughs> I got a decent view. I couldn't see fuck all at the back. Um, Almost as if you'd engineered it. <laughs> yeah. But 
what what I took away, we got beat in the end. We got beat by a very good Liverpool side. I'd argue one of the best Liverpool sides ever. This was John Barnes, John Aldrich. Um, I think they had McMahon in midfield. This was an immense Liverpool side who were banned from Europe at the time mm. um, because of the Heisel stuff, but would have been European champions, in my opinion, humble opinion. And there we were, Millwall, um, against all odds, <clears throat> contending. And I think it's that rocky thing. We were contenders. We weren't disgraced. We we were beaten by the better side, for sure, but we went a goal up and we took them the distance. And I, I, It sounds a bit silly when you repeat that back, but that was something that I took out of that game that I still remember it even now even as I think of it as I'm talking the uh, hairs on the back of my neck rise slightly as I think about that night it was an immense night yeah and it's, it is moments like that I'm just reading the thread again now and they're talking about the, the Leeds night and the noise that was made by just 900 supporters that were there for that playoff game um, and I wasn't even there that night but no. reading about that and then uh, there's a YouTube video that I've watched a few times and stuff like that makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck even though you weren't there so you can only imagine what it would be like to, to be present in, at those games One thing we do very well and I think it is our true talent at Millwall leaving aside all the other sides of the history of the club but and I suppose it goes hand in hand but we do pandemonium very well um, every time I've taken anyone who's not a Millwall fan to the den they are hooked into the electricity of the big game. I, I, I took my daughter and her boyfriend to the QPR game last season where Harry had the ball thrown in his face. And the pandemonium, as they saw it, of the end game where we, we clawed our way back to draw to all was like nothing else. And I think that we take our reactions and the sheer mental um, explosion of energy of, of of these big occasions for granted. I don't think it's quite the same at other clubs. No, and that's that's the uniqueness, isn't it? That's what makes us the club we are. That's who we I think are. the interesting omission from this thread that uh, just scanning it, and I don't think I've seen it once. Is uh, not one person said final game at the den. I don't think, um, which is interesting. I suppose we we did get stuffed, and uh, yeah. it was a bit. It was anticlimactic, wasn't it? It was anticlimactic, I guess. But uh, yeah. it was a funny old day, like in terms of what you were saying, the terraces and surges and stuff. I think I must have moved about. Uh, 14 miles during that game, just being kind of shunted around the terraces as people went on the pitch and people come off the pitch again and uh, people tried nicking people's shorts and it was uh, <laughs> that that was pandemonium. That was pure pandemonium that day. I remember walking out and uh, I'd, I'd not been on the pitch because it was just absolute chaos, but I, I would have quite liked a bit of turf. And uh, just as we was walking away up the Coldplay Lane terraces, uh, luckily a clump of it landed. Straight on the end, so uh, I did get my turf to take home that day. Um, what did you do with that turf? Because I, I got a bit of turf, and I, I, you know, in, in the in the in the madness of the moment, I, I took home this piece of the den's pitch. And as I was sitting on the train going back towards Elmstead Woods at the time, I, I, I couldn't. It's like, Dawn, what am I going to do with this piece of grass? I didn't really know what to do with it. <laughs> I, well, I, I was very young and uh, not very wise <laughs> in the world, so I tried smoking it. <laughs> Was it any good? <laughs> no, I, I think I did try planting it in the back garden. But uh, the weird thing about that is you want to do it and you want to show you're, you're a proper fan, but grass is grass at the end of the day. In the end, it? that's what I found. It, yeah. Nah, rational. Grass is grass. And even if it does keep growing, you ain't going to know that uh, No. That that's going to be the, the bit of den grass. The other thing is I've moved now. so. Uh, well, this is know. it. This is what happened to my bit of grass. Yeah. Dead grass. There we are. Um, that's, that's, that's the romance of, um, of football for you. 
Um, if anyone, I mean, it's a regular question that we pose on, on our listed lions, and there's a thread on the House of Fun that covers it quite nicely. If anyone wants to ring in and tell us their Millwall moments, um, our voicemail is always available 0208-144-0232. So if you get moved by listening to this, ring it in and we'll play them as, uh, as and when we get them. That's fantastic stuff, Stu's. We've done really well there, mate. We only floundered a couple of times in this. No game to talk about, and it is quite difficult to um, muster up much in the way of, uh, of mill conversation, but you've done a sterling job there, mate. Yeah, I hope it's uh, listenable. <laughs> oh, we don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, we'll, we'll give them money-back guarantee if, um, if they don't like it. So um, that's fantastic, mate. I really appreciate your time this afternoon. No worries at all. And uh, look after yourself, and I'll uh, talk to you again soon. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. All right, big welcome there to our Achtung regular, Derek King. Thanks for doing this today, Derek. Welcome to the show. Pleasure, Nick. Pleasure, Nick. We are where we are. I think we said this last time where you and me met up, which was um, prior to Christmas at the Bolton game, mate, wasn't it? Um, yep. We're in a mire. Um, I wanted to really look at the what I, I, I keep calling the Holloway question, and um, you and me have spoken about it a few times with the chaps in the in the round table. Um, here we are, three points adrift of relegation at the moment. Big week coming up, Derek. A couple of big yeah. games looming, haven't we? Reading and um, Forest away. Um, I'm calling this month for the long knives. It, it seems to be that. Um, Holloway's been given a, a, a you know support from the board. He's he's been given carte blanche now to do whatever is required, surgery wise, should we call it, to deal with the squad. And we're seeing a lot of high profile comings and goings, not least of which was Scott McDonald yesterday. I don't know how, how do you feel about McDonald leaving us? Uh, I think someone online said we no, we're not bothered about any player that leaves us now. Yeah. And I, and I think in a way that sums up where we are. I don't think perhaps Williams aside. I don't think any of us would give a two hoots if any player walked out the door, and that's quite scary. Because yeah. usually we support our players. You know, we support our players through thick and thin, and no one's got any sort of affinity with this group whatsoever now. No, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, I, I think in a way, Scott McDonald, in a, in a sense, sums up the squad that we've had under Lomas and and, and Holloway's the follow-on. A man of some promise. I mean, I've always felt that Scott McDonald was a very skillful player, um, yeah. but hasn't delivered. Um, for whatever reason, he hasn't delivered, and he should have done. And that, in a sense, is that is the is in a nutshell is what's happened to us over these past couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we signed McDonald, I thought he was the the, the, the real missing piece of the jigsaw because everyone was getting really excited about Lomas's signings. Yeah. Um, and I was well, okay. I, I I wasn't too excited about them. I was never. I've never been a fan of Chaplow and and etc. But McDonald was the one that excited me. Yeah. And he's been a complete letdown. And I, and I don't think he's been that bad. No. It's just that he hasn't been that good. But I think I said it before. You know, you've taken a guy who's played his whole career playing off a main striker largely. At Middlesbrough, I think he was used coming in off the wide positions a bit towards the end and as an impact sub. Yeah. You're stuffing him in central midfield um, and playing him, in my mind, far, far too deep this season. Um, whereas at the low mass, he was often playing as the, the, the lone striker. 
He was, yeah. yeah. I think that's what he was signed as, wasn't he? With the striking role that you've described. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I felt. I mean, Chaplow, you've you've mentioned, and I, I no, I, none of these signings excite you in a, on a, on a deep level. But um, Chaplow is another good example of a player that um, I felt should have delivered far more than he's given us. So leaving aside the silliness with the Monopoly board on Boxing Day, I, I don't think he's a bad player. Um, but for some reason, they don't players like. Chaplow to a degree, McDonald just don't seem to want to play for Millwall, do they? Well, I, I think first of all, Chaplow I felt was overrated on the back of a, a, a sort of short loan spell where he he did well when we were playing very very badly. Yeah, and um, we we lost him quickly to injury, if I remember rightly. And I think there was a we do get carried away with players too quickly, and particularly midfield players. I mean, going back down the years, we've had the same conversations about. You know, Adrian Serio, for God's sake. You know, Adam Boulder. <laughs> I've forgotten Dave him. Brammer, Josh Wright. I mean, and to me, Chaplow was just a, a slightly better version of Josh Wright. He he didn't look bad on the ball, but he just he, he gave it away too much. And, and that wasn't necessarily his passing, but he just didn't retain the ball well. He was often won the ball and then lost it. And I, I just felt he wasn't a good player. Or not as good as people thought he would be. No, no, no. We've had a succession of players. I mean, you, you've mentioned a few names there. One, some of them whom I'd forgotten completely, erased from my memory. Exactly. <coughs> but he does seem and to be... Uh, Lace and... what happened with Chaplow and McDonald's. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're a succession of, of kind of bland, beige players that have gone through us, which... Um, just going back to McDonald's, I think it's a shame. So I actually think he did have something extra. Um, yeah. Clearly, he doesn't fit in with um, Holloway's plans. Um, and I suppose the, the original plan A, the the plan for this season was that we would, we had a group capable of survival in the championship and then these players would be let go during the summertime yeah. when their contracts ran out and that that, that isn't happening. The so, McDonald thing smacks of something more though I think because he was a Holloway favorite. I think he he for a period he was the the ever the only ever present in the side leaving aside Ford of course and he was playing that different role. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of rumours that both under Holloway recently, but also under Lomas, that he's been a disruptive influence. And, you know, you do expect that, suspect that Holloway is trying now to instill some discipline into what is quite an unruly group and has been for, for a, a period of time. Um, but the question I always say is, why are they unruly? Well, there's, there's, that begs a question. Why are they unruly? I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, a, a number of players have this kind of difficult reputation. I, I don't know enough about Scott McDonald to truly comment, but um, you, you used good words about let, the players letting down the manager. Um, but this is a two-way street, Derek, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, Players have got to respect the man in charge, and this kind of brings us on to the nitty-gritty of what I wanted to talk about. Um, as a group of players, there's clearly a lack of respect for Holloway, um, rightly or wrongly, and his methods. I, I think, and I, and I feel from comments that I've seen, read and heard, that perhaps we have at least two, perhaps three different camps in the um, in the squad. Yeah. And I think there are players who probably buy very much into Holloway and his methods and, and what he's looking to do. And then there are those that think that, perhaps like I do, he, he's just the latest in a succession of wrong appointments. And I, I say that from the point of view of his, his, his motivation and his, his, I call it the schizophrenic approach to, to team and tactics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played our best football under Holloway when we've settled down into a steady formation with a fairly steady group of players. The minute we jump around with tactics, with formations and with players, we go down the toilet. 
this this factional thing, which I mean, there's been talk of this for a while, and, and including under Kenny Jackett, of course. Absolutely, yeah. So this 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 isn't um, this isn't any Ian Holloway thing, and whatever the rights and wrongs of them, it's not particularly a Steve Lomas thing. That they both bring their own flaws, as as we all do to any job. But this this predated them both. Back to the sainted Kenny Jackett, actually, who also was trying to deal with a factional issue of players that clearly didn't want to play for him. Because I mean, we we survived relegation. Um, in his last season, by the barest skin of our teeth for the actions or inactions of other teams. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's a suggestion it goes back to the end of the governors, if you like. Um, yeah. You know, we we came back on the back of a, a team ethic. Um, you know, the, the the family book famously showed how we outed Lewis Graban, and you know, history now says that that was probably a mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, no one was getting paid more than anyone else, really. You know, it was a, a core group of players on mediocre wages. An old-fashioned structure of a football club, Derek. An old-fashioned football club structure, which then then was busted to pieces and, and, and went very, very wrong. And we all have our own stories and theories and what the catalyst for that. And I know I always get knocked down in flames for, for pointing to the signing of Henderson. But yeah, yeah. You know, we we came on the back of that. It was clear that there were issues there for a long, long time. The first season we were on momentum, we were doing well. We fell away a little bit at the end. Um, you know, the second season we had the cup run, which sort of helped. It masked it, didn't it? It masked. Yeah, it, it masked it. it. It took our attention away from how really shit we were in the yeah. league. Yeah, we were. Um, yeah, we were. There's no hiding from that. And and it makes it worse that we've been probably worse at home than away. So that more of the fan base is seeing it every every week. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean the the breakup of the what you might call the governor ethic ethos, whatever you want to call it, which is an old fashioned idea that the wage structure, everyone being paid the same, is it comes from a different era in many respects. Kenny was the man that kind of broke that up with the signings that you've mentioned, Darius Henderson being one of them. Not 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 the sole um, villain of the piece, but part of a of a wider picture it's almost like we've lost confidence in who we who we were and whether that was going to be good enough to keep us at this level modern football clubs don't play this old-fashioned with, with this old-fashioned structure do they no i mean I, th- I think the problem is football you're you're constantly aspirational and 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 you can see you know the, the league littered with clubs that have overreached and are now paying the consequences many many years later i mean you know two of our relegation rivals Leeds and, and, and I suspect yeah. Charlton yeah, and, yeah. and you only have to look at what's happened there where you know in, in Leeds case spending multi-millions looking for European glory in Charlton just looking to get beyond finishing top 10 in the Premier League and sacking a, a, a steady uh, respected manager like Alan Kerbishley um, and I think we stretched um, having come was it ninth in the first season back yeah and, um, you know, we, we, we stretched, we made some changes and those changes haven't worked. And, and ultimately it's led to, to Kenny Jackett moving on. Yeah. Um, and we've since had two very, very different characters as managers. Um, two very, very different from Kenny Jackett, but in my mind, two very similar characters as managers. Lomas, um, Lomas and Holloway being the similar characters. Yeah. Yeah, I get um, it. Yeah. You know, quite bubbly personalities. Person, personality, well. character managers, yeah. 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 Um, but at the end of the day, 
perhaps a little bit erratic in in the way they approach things. I mean, it leads. I mean, any business, any any form of business anywhere in the world is is a in the end is a is a gamble of investment, isn't it? You you, you are yeah. taking a punt with money, um, and you are to a degree hoping that the <laughs> that, that the horses you've picked or the players that you've bought will turn out to you know to to perform, and that's that's to a degree what we've done. It's been a bit of a slow disaster, really. It's been like a slow motion car crash. We've used that analogy a few times since the end of, of Kenny Jacket. The investment decisions haven't worked out no and it comes back to i think we have a board that lacks football experience um you know they've been taken in by a, a man in lomas who who presented well and it, and it very much reminded me of the spackman yeah. situation um you know that went horribly horribly wrong yes it um, did. yeah and and the change was made and we rushed out to get holloway who has had a very erratic career himself. He's had a lot of highs and lows, but has a good reputation in football. Came recommended by Kenny Jacket, and um, you know we we jumped in to grab someone who perhaps was still a little bit damaged by his experience at Palace. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this is a point I was trying was going to come on to. I mean, he, it strikes me looking back over the uh, the Wikipedia page of Ian Holloway's career, he either succeeds big or he fails big, doesn't he? There's, there's never um, he, he doesn't seem to do mediocre or medium in any sense. He either is promoted or he's relegated. And at the moment, <laughs> we, we seem to be going for the uh, the relegation option with Millwall. I mean, we're his lowest win percentage, I think, of his career Absolutely. by a mile. I think by some yeah. some distance. I mean, the other, I suppose, the other um, contrasting clubs where he's failed would be Plymouth Argyle, who actually he actually did something of the dirty on. He he, he dumped them to um, to kind of flirt with with Leicester's. Um, uh, advances. His, his kind of closing days at Plymouth weren't as filled with loyalty as, as his words would imply in all of his subsequent statements. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one that because you know he has referred to it subsequently as the biggest mistake of his career. Very much. That was probably yeah. before he joined us, but um, <laughs> you know he, he he clearly made a decision for whatever reason. And it seems as if he maybe was doing little more than talking to Leicester. But obviously it all came out and it all got a bit fraught. Yeah. And, you know, if it was perceived as, as a lack of loyalty at the time, he, he was almost pushed into the position where he, he couldn't carry on there. And, and and I think he didn't get the Leicester job, didn't he? And then he went to QPR, was it? I, I can't recall. I but, can't remember the sequence. If that, I've got, I've got yeah. it here. But I think we've all made mistakes like that in our life. And we've always wondered what the grass is like on the other side. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you're not a loyal person. I mean, I, I think if I look at Holloway, I see a character that is, a, in many ways, a Millwall man. I think he's loyal. I think he's honest. I think he genuinely wants what's best for the club. And I, and I think if you look at his family background, he's gone through some difficult times and come through it a stronger character. But equally, I think he's got that middle trait of being slightly unhinged. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he's, you know, he's erratic in, in, in a lot of what he actually does. And, and he's at his best when he chooses a, a, a system, he chooses a group of players and sticks with it, as the end of last season showed. He yeah. He wants to keep us up. 
I mean, his life story is quite an interesting one. Just ahead of this um, call today, I was just doing a little bit of reading on it. He's come from quite humble origins. You're right, it is a very Millwall story, actually, when you read it. I mean, he's come from the wrong side of the tracks outside of Bristol. Um, he's, the odds have been stacked against him in the way that they're stacked against many of us in our different fields of, of, of life. He's overcome, you know, personal battles. I know that his daughters have been born with disabilities that has kind of fired him along to, to win the uh, the education that they deserve and are entitled to. Um, and I, th- I do think this this loyalty word in football is is, is a, an overplayed um, card at times. We'll talk about it, but who who amongst us doesn't look for a better employer every day of the week? Who doesn't flick through websites to see, well, how much is X paying, what jobs are available there? We all do it, don't we? It's, it's not um, it's not the greatest sin of life, is it? No, and, and I mean, and at the end of the day, unless you're taking an out of work manager, you yeah. are going to be testing someone's loyalty. I mean, there was a, you know, it was talked about that we went after, oh, the Yeovil manager. Um, yeah, John Gary Bellson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. yeah. John Berenson wouldn't go after him because he was friends with the Yeovil chairman. Yeah. John Berrison stuck by Lomas longer than some of us felt he should. And he certainly now seems to be showing a, a, you know, a great degree of loyalty in Inn Holloway um, when many of us are, uh, are questioning whether that's the right thing to do. He's not felt the full wrath yet, um, Holloway. In a way, you know, to me, I mean, I, and I was against him from the start. I warned him. Yes, and, you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, felt that he was doing a decent job. Reservations came in pre-Christmas, and I, you know, I mean, and I don't take the Bolton game. That's the problem with, with knee jerks at Bolton. Beforehand, I was thinking, give him more time, tell him to cut the squads, tell him to get focused on a core group of players. You know, a lot of things he's doing now. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. then, having had a few beers and watched the Bolton performance <laughs> in the immediate <laughs> aftermath, you're, you're, you're sucking the ball in. Um, but for me. He lost me at Blackpool and then Bradford because not only were the the, the results poor, the team selections and tactics were poor. This 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 going with three at the back again, you know, it's fouled so many times. It's beyond a joke now. Um, but it was the comments afterwards. Um, he just seemed to have lost the whole lot. And whether it's the players, whether it's him or whether it's a bit of both, and, and my feeling is it's a bit of both, I think that's when we should have drawn the line under Ian Holloway's period. I mean, this, I've called it megaphone management. I mean, this idea that you can go on in, in on the press, the News at Den is the main channel, but even to a degree on the official site, which again surprised me, he's, he's actually gone out in public and it's almost like he's, he's opened the, the dressing room door a crack and we're all looking in and seeing what yeah. actually gets said, and, and which is always a temptation. And We all want to know the inside story, the inside track on, on who, who likes who, who doesn't like who, who wants to have a fight with who. But equally, there's something slightly... It's like parading your dirty washing in front of your neighbours, isn't it? It's it, yeah. it's undignified. Yeah, and, and, and again, we've gone from uh, perhaps the most dignified manager in football in Kenny Jackett. Yeah. You know, we, we were crying at times for Kenny Jackett just to come out and say the ref was shit and he cost us the game. Yeah. He never would do that. Um, he rarely made any sort of critical comments about the players publicly. And we've gone completely the other way with Lomas and, and now Holloway into, play, um, into managers who will quite happily, um, privately and publicly, have a go at their players. Um, and, and I think, again, we, we, it's, it's, it's surprised us. I think it takes us you know, on the back foot. And, but it splits us equally as well. 
Yes, it does. The, yeah. the camp now that is saying, look, the, the players are a bunch of overpaid cunts and get rid of the lot of them, let's go out with the kids. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you've got players, people who are saying, well, why are the players acting like that? What has happened behind the scenes? Why is it that successive managers haven't been able to, to sort it out? Why is it we can go on a 10-match unbeaten run across two seasons and then suddenly fall away and lose to Blackpool and Bradford? We are ourselves questioning amongst ourselves whether Holloway's the right man, but Berylson's backed him, rightly or wrongly. Yep. Um, and I think he's backed him now with the rest of the season in mind. I don't think we're going to see a change now. Um, I, I think he could go and lose his next six games, and I don't think that will change. Um, but, you know, I think it worries me that we seem to be trying to do next summer's work in a matter of two or three weeks in a very, very difficult time for football when we as a clubber in a difficult situation. Oh, we are. I mean, I, I think, you know, just just listening to you there, you're, you're correct. You, you can't manage anything, any 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 form of um, workplace, whatever you like, if you're going to be, if the manager is contradictory, if one minute they say one thing and then do another, and one minute they favour one form of approach and then they turn around and, you know, that that's jettisoned for no apparent reason. And this comes back to the, the, the so-called player power issue, which, you know, is, is kind of um, coming to its conclusion now as, as, as players are being outed from the squad I would find it very hard to work for a person who comes in on a Monday morning and says Nick do this and Nick does that and then turns around five minutes later and says Nick you're doing it the wrong way we want to do it this way it, it, yeah. it would breed mistrust yeah I mean and, and the players have uncertainty and that affects their confidence and, and, and therefore they lack confidence in the manager you know because if you go out I mean and the classic one I mean I didn't see the Norwich game away, mm-hmm. um, but Marquis had been put out to loan. Yep. He'd been recalled. Yep. He played at Norwich. I gather on the flanks, yep. not as a centre forward, um, and uh, apparently did reasonably well. As well as as well as he can do, Derek. I mean, the the, yeah. the, the boy's a, a limited striker. We, I don't uh, mean... That's it. But he's been asked to do a job on the on the flank, which he probably walks away thinking, "Well, I did okay there." Yeah. And I just recall walking into the game for the uh, into the car park for the game the, the midweek game following that, and seeing John Marquis walking towards me with his boot bag with a face like thunder going to his car. Yeah. And it, it became quite obvious that not only had he been dropped from the starting lineup, he'd been dropped completely out of the squad. Yeah, he was nowhere in sight. I think I mentioned and, it on one show. Yeah. Yeah. And in a nutshell, that sums up the. You know the the problem that that we're you know a player can literally be in for even half a game in the case of Jack Powell and then not be seen for two or three months even. Um, you know, I mean Jack Powell seems to be the the, the slowest hokey cokey in the world. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, he, he's he's in the team, he's out for three months, and he's back in the team, and it, it's just ridiculous. He, you know, and that's one of our promising youngsters who's you know who 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 everyone thinks the future. I, I think this is it. I mean, if if, if fans and I, I dare say the playing squad itself and and possibly parts of the club management, if they could get their head around what the the object is that Holloway's trying to achieve, if there's a structure and we're, we're losing games, but because we're bringing in youngsters or players that are trying to work a partnership with each other, and we're losing games as a consequence, I think there's probably enough of an understanding amongst most supporters to to get with what we're trying to achieve, and even relegation. If if the relegation has a structure behind it, we'll, we'll go with a purpose, Derek, won't we? It, yeah. it, it's the random nature of what we're seeing that's the hard thing to accept. But the, and this is the problem, and and you know we we 
think we know that the plan is to clear out all these old players, that the plan was to clear them all out in the summer. Yeah. But now we've been told it's being brought forward. And the, the problem is, of course, <coughs> you, you then need to bring people in. And you have to ask yourself, are they the people we really wanted to bring in? Because what we're doing is bringing in the players that, that are available, the players that want to come here. And, you know, we've signed two fullbacks. Um, you know, Hardin and Cummins both come from teams, in fact, are next to opponents, I think, if I remember rightly. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah are deemed yeah. surplus to requirements by other clubs that are, you know, struggling in mid-table but probably won't go down. Yeah. Um, you know, and should be doing better with the yeah. resources they've got. Um, and... You know, we are just. Are they the players we would have signed in the summer? Well, see, there's another. There's another. They are. There's another. Another question that kind of fits in with that. I mean, that the tactical change that we had against. Um the previous game, who was it? The uh, Ipswich three-one defeat. Yeah. We, we've gone four-four-two, completely out the blue. I mean, I know we've been fiddling around with this three-man defence, which hasn't worked. On each time we've tried it, we've got stuffed out of sight. So now we've gone four-four-two, which um, you know, much as I am a you know a, a student of the old school, and we'll talk about the Christoph Kinnays going down the wing, and, and yeah. you know Birch and Cahill in the middle, blah blah blah. Um, mid-season. Untried previously, we we go four four two. What do we, you know? What did you, what did you make of that? I, I thought that was a desperation play. It, it is. I mean, you know, it is, it is desperate. He's gone out and signed Meyerhofer again, who, who I think is is the biggest donkey we've seen in a Millwall shirt for a long time. <laughs> um, whether he can head a ball or not, well, we can't. But the thing is, the temptation then becomes to just bang it forward, which is what we're doing. But, yeah. You know, we were doing that for a while before, and actually, it was that start of that hoof ball. You know, give it to Williams to take off the back four and then stick those long diagonals. Yeah. But to me, was the start of the downfall. Um, you know, and and players like Wolford and Martin and people will have their detractors, but at least they prefer. And McDonald pre- uh, gave us a, an effective link between defence and attack. What they weren't doing was perhaps supporting the the, the striker enough. Yeah. Instead, now we seem to have bypassed midfield. It doesn't matter who's in there because let's just get the ball and stick it as long as we can. Um, and uh, here you go. Here's a six foot seven Peter Crouch lookalike who who, who can't head a ball. Um, it's easy for defences. Well, it remains to be seen what we play against Reading on Tuesday night. I mean, if if we're going to see four four two again or. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really can't predict what we're going to get on on no. uh, on, on Reading, and I'm, I'm going to go up to Forest on Saturday. So again, we'll who knows what we'll see up there. But um, I'm going to presume, and I've got no basis or evidence to support this. I'm going to presume we're going to stick with four four two because I'm guessing that the kinds of players that are coming in, the likes of Paris Cow and Hall, who looks like a, a winger in the conventional sense, we've got Meyerhofer now as the big striker. We're going to guess that we're going to feed um, Lee Gregory off of whatever Meyer Hoffer can, you know, can provide him, which kind of takes you down that traditionalist route of four four two. Now I, it I, does. Sorry. Sorry, no. I was just going to say now that, that that's that's okay with me if if that's if, if there's a structure and that's what we're going to do, even if it is only a three month, um, get us out of trouble, try and win at least you know four or five games and give us half a chance of survival. Um, but who knows? I, I don't really know where these players are coming in. I'm guessing they fit into the four four two format more than well, what, what we've seen. The funny thing is, I actually think if you, if you look at those players, you know, Fabrini and um, Fabrini, uh, yeah, 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 and and then if you look at um, Magdi Guy 
Uh, yeah, he's a guy, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and we've still got Lee Martin and, and, and the much maligned Warford, but if you actually look at it, we probably now have better players to play the system we played earlier in the season. The 4-2-3-1. Four, the four, four, I call it a four-two-three-one. I think yeah. you, you, you sit there, you have two in front of the back four, um, one of which will probably be Williams, although I still advocate moving him into the, the centre-back position. Okay. Um, the problem is, who do you play alongside him? Because he's not big. You probably want a big fella alongside him, and, and all so far has seemed inadequate. And, and, and Sid Nelson isn't yet physically that player. Um, but nevertheless, you've got Upson. You've got Abdu can sit in front and shield. You've got Martinez. You know, we've got Jack Powell. Um, yeah, yeah, so if yeah. you sat that shield in front, we've got fullbacks now who aren't going to give you the same energy and, and, and attacking verve that Malone and Edwards did early in the season, which was a key part of our play. Um, but you have three potential high-energy players behind there, you know, with some pace that you can get up and support that front man a lot better. You know, we were asking Lee Martin's reasonably quick, Wolford and Scott McDonald was planted. We were asking them to get up alongside Fuller at early in the season, yeah, and no yeah, one was. Yeah. Um, but if you've got some pace and some energy in behind, perhaps that system can suddenly come back and work. Well, we've looked at our best. If uh, the moments where we've looked at our best this season, which have been few and far between, have been with the you know the, the much discussed four two three one system. Um, at our best, that was that was the system that seemed to you know project us in the best possible light. Nothing else has come close to that, has it? No, and the problem was it wasn't creating enough chances. And like I said, that to me was a, 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 a an ethos. We weren't getting forward and supporting enough. Mm. Um, and perhaps this group group will. I I, I don't know, but. You know, we're reaching the point that draws aren't going to be enough. No, and, and, no. And therefore, you've got to gamble a little bit more. I mean, three points adrift at the moment. Um, we've got a big week ahead of us. I mean, there's a potential six points at stake this week. If we can claim even a proportion of those six points, then it's going to ease the burden on us. But if we lose to Reading, lose at Forest, it's almost a week that could could start to put the nail in our coffin for, for the season. Very, very much. I mean, you know, it's... I think Blackpool, for me, would, where it really worried me because I thought that was a game. They were in a, a mess. That was a game we should have gone and won, no matter how much of a mess we were. Um, but I do look at it, and, I mean, you know, you have to remember those three early wins, Fulham, Leeds, yep. um, you know, with them, OK, we lost a lot, Rotherham, but but we were winning and beating the teams that we're now going to have to beat again, and, and, and we're coming round to playing some of them again. Um, and, and those points could be hugely valuable. Yeah. Um, and actually, in those games, perhaps going to Leeds and getting a draw and, and, and one or two games will be enough. But we've got to start playing with a little bit more verve at home. And, and, and you know, I think Reading potentially are there to, to be got at. Um, but then they probably say the same about us. I think going up to Forest and just parking the bus might not be a bad thing in the way that we did at, um, at Derby. Yeah, we've done that a couple of times. And not look bad on it either, Derek. I mean, we've no. pulled off some decent results on occasions. We've said this previously. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, the big big couple of fixtures this week and then a big February. Huddersfield at home. Yep. Um, but then look at last season, we did everything you shouldn't do to stay up. We lost all our six-pointers and we lost all our home games. Yeah. But we saved ourselves going out and beating the teams that, that really weren't going anywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so although I think we should panic if February goes badly, <laughs> I think <laughs> there'd still be that sort of smidgen that, you know, that, that little 
ray of light that we could do it all over again. Um, but but we do. We we need to get the confidence back. You know, who knows what ten days on the training pitch will do. Um, you know, whether it gives us a structure that that he's going to stick with and 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 it works. Um, and I think a good start against Reading will probably determine that because if he throws it all up in the air, having worked on it for ten days, yeah. you know, half an hour into a game because Reading are two new up and all over us. Yeah. You know, and 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 we he, he has done that before. It would seem he gives up on things quite quickly. You know, we're back to square one. If we can go out against Reading, get off to a to a quick start, and 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 you know the players then believe in what they've been doing for the last ten days. Um, Who knows? You know, it yeah. could be a turnaround. Um, and and I'm saying that as somebody who's not optimistic that it will turn around. No, I mean I, I think we we see what we see ahead of us. We we we've looked at um, the squad to date. Certainly can't get us out of out of the mire that we're in. I think the likes of Fabrini will be interesting. I thought he had a real touch of quality about him. You can see how he's um, he's well rated and 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 you know the value of the player is is so high. Um, all we can all we can pray and hope, um, so to speak, is that this comes together quite quickly because I think if we're still in the same position halfway through February, we are really staring down the barrel. That's for sure. And I, and I think actually Tuesday's more important than Friday, than Saturday because Tuesday he's at home. Yeah. And he needs to start winning the fans back. And I think the fan reaction so far hasn't been that bad. Um, I think the team uh, pulled itself out of a a bit of a jam last week by um, not being embarrassed by Ipswich when actually at one point it looked like we could have been. Yeah, And entirely. we do suspect that they went a little bit easy on us. They got 2-0 up and thought this is too easy Yeah, and, and, and sat back. And, OK, we, we gave them a bloody nose at the end of the first half, but I don't think we ever really looked like getting back into that game. No. Um, you know, but it meant that the crowd didn't walk away, you know, chanting shit, 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 Holloway out. Yeah. Um, but, a poor result, a poor performance could well see us back there. The question is, and that might be the only way Holloway goes, is if he loses or feels he loses the support of the crowd, yeah. will, he, um, will he walk away? Well, it's the support of the crowd is on a on a on a knife edge, shall we say? Um, I think you're right. I think the the, the eleven he chose against Ipswich was a politically chosen eleven to yeah, bring the crowd absolutely. on board. We said this last show, and I, I, I think another a choice like that, as long as they show that there is enough um, verve and energy about them to <laughs> at least lose with dignity, and I think the crowd will stay with him for a period yet. But no, I, th- I think it hangs on a, on a, on, a, on a thread in that sense. Yeah, and I mean, in a funny sort of way, the next goal is is perhaps even crucial to our season because if we get it and get ahead and hold on, yeah, momentum changes. If we go behind and the confidence drains and the crowd gets on the team's back and on Holloway's back, it could very quickly go the the, the other way. Um, you know, it, it might be sound a little bit melodramatic, but it 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 does feel to me that we are. You know, we've had a week away, 10 days without football, um, you know, and I think the crowd really needs to see something from all the, 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 the stuff we've seen off the field. Um, because if it doesn't, you know, it could turn. And, and I think only the crowd turning will, will, will see Holloway go. I don't think Berylson will get rid of him now. No, I agree with that. That's fantastic, Derek. Thanks. Pleasure. Thanks for your time today, mate. I really appreciate it. No, it's been a pleasure, Nick. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here.
no more water. You occupy. 